Welcome to the Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton, and welcome to another show where I am joined by Teddy and Paul McAllister. And we're going to get through a lot tonight. We are going to start with the Remember the Name segment on Ramiro Funes Mori, followed by a debate around the rumoured possibility of us signing the veteran centre-back Thiago Silva, a name which has been very heavily linked recently. Then we've got our middle bit where we are going to have a random off-topic discussion where tonight we're actually going to have a very interesting discussion regarding wrestling walkout music and we're going to have a look into what sort of tunes some of our first team squad might walk out to in that situation. Certainly Teddy and Paul will be in their element there. We'll finish off then by joining Max Carlisle and Tom Clark for a match preview ahead of our return to the Premier League action against none other than those lovables from across the park. So that should be a very interesting match preview to tune in for. And then Paul and Teddy will be back at the end for the quiz to round it off. As you know, the segments are separate videos on YouTube, so I'll introduce the respective segments as we move through the podcast, and we'll crack on and get on to our first topic regarding Ramiro Funes Mori, the man with the barbecue, Ramiro Funes Mori, and for that, I'm joined by Terry and Paul McAllister. We'll start at the beginning, lads, you know, when when he first arrived, it was on deadline day in 2015, wasn't it, and it was just, I think we were all... We knew we needed the left-footed centre-back after this time left, but were you expecting it to be Ramiro Funes Mori? Um, like a, um, yeah, go ahead, Paul. Yeah, I, I'd never heard of him at all. I, I, I don't keep up with South American football at all, really, so I, I, I had no idea who this player was. But on paper, he sounded quite good because he was an established Argentina international. And wasn't his last game for River Plate, like, um, their equivalent to the Champions League yeah, final, whatever the final. Yeah, he, he scored the winner in that game, didn't he? So he was like this cult hero all over um, Buenos Aires or whatever uh, River Plate are based. So yeah. basically, he, yeah, he was coming in with this sort of big reputation, but also um, a bit of a mystery because unless you're, you, you watch South American football regularly, I I had no idea who he was, but as I mentioned, when you see all these things on paper, he's loved by Argentina fans, he's an Argentine international, he's good for a goal, he's, he looks big and strong, I thought, right, we'll have a bit of this, I, um, I think this could be just what Everton needs, the sort of tough, old-fashioned centre-half that we can all get behind, so when he came in, I was more than happy to give him a chance, and when the likes of Tim Vickery and all these other pundits were all writing him off and slagging him, I was one of the ones saying, leave him alone, you don't know what you're talking about, give him a chance. But in the end, it just didn't work out for various reasons, did it? So, No, and uh, I think we have to go back to that deadline, day where the rumour was that we could have bought Virgil van Dijk and bought Funes Mori instead. I think that's always a bit of a blot on the track record, if ever there was one. What happened with van Dijk? He was at Celtic, wasn't he? And... I don't know how serious the talks ever were between us and Van Dijk. I mean, did we ever actually bid for him? Or did we actually go to Celtic and open up any dialogue? Because it's easy for Everton to get linked with a player. We get linked with everyone. But whether there was actually any, you know, real efforts to try and sound Van Dijk out, I don't know. Because if it, came, if it comes out that 
Everton were never really in for Van Dijk in the first place, then I think fans could maybe stomach it a bit better. But the narrative over the last few years seems to be that we went for Van Dijk, we were told to pay a certain amount, and Martin has basically just to save a few million went and got this Argentinian Argentina lad instead. So, do you or Terry know at all? Were we ever serious about going for Van Dijk? Or? I'm not Apparently sure. we. Well, what I heard, I mean, was that we were offered Van Dyke by his agents because you've got to remember Van Dyke wasn't then the Van Dyke he is now. This is pre pre Southampton. Um, well, I heard that the agents, uh, Van Dyke's agents, offered him to Everton, and Everton um, passed on him for financial reasons because they could get feuds money for us, like you say, a shade cheaper. Um, they were obviously looking for that left-sided centre-back, you know, mould. And I think um, they just saw a few money. You've got to remember as well, it's it's funny to think about now, but we were all very high on Martinez at the time. Cause he I just wasn't. Got... Well, no, it was after the back of that. <laughs> by, by this point, we'd gone out to Dinamo Kiev, so I kind of gone off him by this point. Yeah. Of the... This was after the second season where I was not in love with Martinez at all, but that, that's just me. Well, all right. Well, we'll put it this way: we we were Martinez had full control of transfers, didn't he? And he was very much into football, and you know, footballers. You know, we were good on the ball. And I think the perception at the time was, which is hilarious now, that Van Dijk wasn't as good on the ball as Fumes Murray, and he wanted like some a sort of left-sided John Stones to go alongside him. But, and yeah, basically, you know, I I remember when we got Murray, Fumes Murray, I was. I actually thought he, he looked the part. He, I thought he's physically he's got it. He's big, strong. He's you know he's not lightning quick, but he's certainly not you know Alcaraz or Jagielka slow. But he, he he did have decent ability on the ball. And he had good aggression, a little bit too much in some instances. But he had good yeah. aggression of attacking the ball on corners. He, you know, defensive defensively and um, you know offensively. And it it seemed like you know a good move at the time. You know he. Nobody's got like crystal ball and knew that you know oh, t- passing on Van Dyke, letting them go to Southampton, would have been a big mistake. I mean, to be honest, if we did off Van Dyke, he'd have ended up in City a few years later anyway because you know he wouldn't have sold him to Liverpool and City were looking at him at that same time. So he would he'd be he'd be at City now and that timeline's probably a lot more pleasant to live in than the one we're in now. But him, um, well, Fumes Murray, he was a Premier League defender. He had everything, all the attributes, but he just—he was a typical Martinez, Martinez by. He was all a lot, lot more <laughs> as is apt for Fumes body. He had a lot more sizzle than he had steak. You know, he had too many mistakes in him. He had too many, um, you know, moments of madness, like the the stupid sending off in the derby, and then he grabs the badge, and you're like, "Oh, mate, I know you think that's that's going over quite well, but you you just you know." Done us in in a derby, which was we struggle in anyway. I think ability wise, he was good, but mentality wise, he was a bit he was off his head, wasn't he? He was off his head, absolutely. I think that was a good way of putting it. I mean, the worst thing for me about the derby sending off wasn't that he got sent off in the derby because we were getting our asses handed to us anyway at this at that stage of that game, but it was the fact that he got himself suspended for the semi final when we were short on centre backs. You know, we, yeah. we we were struggling for personnel at the back and he went and got himself suspended when we needed him. And, you know, that, that, that could have cost us a place in the cup final, what he's done there. It, 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 we have to play yeah. 
and get Jackie Elka and didn't Bessic have to play at right back or something? Bessic was at right back because he played Oviedo at right back in that derby and that went disastrously. So he thought, let's at least try a right footed player at right back. I know it just it, about, it? it spoke volumes for the lack of discipline in the um, in the Martinez, you know, sort of camp. And he, you know, he wasn't much later that you know he did lose his job. But I don't know. I I look back on Fumes Murray and, and like you know, I think he's he's remembered. You know, history is kinder to him in light of what we've done since he's left. Because if we'd have moved on to bigger and better, you know, players and things, and done really good business since he was sold. I think people would look on him a lot, you know, less favourably. But now you think, well, was he really worse than Ashley Williams? Yeah, was he was he worse than Ashley Williams? You know what I mean? Is he? Was we, he brought really him, worse we, brought, we brought him in after we got rid of Alcaraz as well, so that must put him up on a bit of a pedestal as well. You've had some terrible players, mate. Oh, but I don't absolutely. think Barry was one of them. Like he, he I loved, I lo- you know, as much as he loved his barbecues, he loved the knee slides as well, and I like that. I like players who slide on the knees when they score. Proper uh, highlight real stuff, isn't it? To be fair, that was one of the best like highlights of that season as well. Was the goal we scored against Man City, which in the semi final, which really, if we weren't yeah. as off, if we weren't as off by Sterling and the referee and whatnot, we might have yeah. got into a final with that. You know, if you know, the season was full of sliding doors moments that just went against us. Our entire history is full of them. <laughs> wait, 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 I was going to say that's symbolic of Everton, really, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the, the thing that I knew him about Funes Mori is as well. I remember um, when he came in, I touched on it before. There was a lot of pundits who were like saying he was going to fail. Um, Tim Vickery was the main one saying, "Oh, um, he doesn't have the pace and he doesn't have the physicality for the English Premier League." Now, because Funes Mori came in and ultimately wasn't successful. A lot of people were um, saying, oh, well, they've been vindicated, all those pundits told us he wasn't great. But if you if you look back at it, Funes Mori in his first six months was actually really good. I he felt Jaggy Elka... Yeah, he was mostly at the back with John Stones, wasn't he? Because Jaggy Elka was um, was injured a lot of that season. Um, kind of in and so Funes Mori was like the um, the main centre-half of that campaign. He was... He, he, Stones and Jagielka kind of alternated, didn't they? Um, but I remember um, Tim Vickery saying things like, he hasn't got the pace, he hasn't got the physicality, he's going to get bullied in the Premier League. I, I and, thought he handled himself quite well in that respect. I didn't think that yeah. was his issue. Exactly, that was what I was going to come to. That was not his problem at all. He was he was absolutely old his own in the Premier League. He just didn't have the concentration and he didn't have the discipline. So that was a case of people um, like Tim Vickery trying to be clever before the evidence was in. So they weren't vindicated at all. Funes Body is a decent level um, defender and he'd probably be an asset to a lot of clubs in the Premier League who were down the bottom. But yeah, I just thought he, his only issue was that he was a bit erratic. Erratic. Like, he was a lunatic. He, he, he's got, he has three or four big mistakes in him that are going to cost you points every season. He, he's going to do something stupid like get himself sent off or he's going to give away a goal or he's going to score an own goal, something mad. We just, he was too inconsistent and we just couldn't rely on him. And as Terry said, history's been kinder to him. A lot of people seem to think he was, remember him as being better than what he actually was now. Because other than that first six months, I, I just wasn't overly impressed with him. 
I, I mean, after the, the derby fiasco, I, I, he wasn't one of my favourite players anyway. But for me, he never really got, um, got um, I can never found his rhythm, never found his feet. I think he never had like a long stretch of games other than that first six months where I felt, yeah, this lad's all right. We're going to we can build around this lad because when him and Stones were together for the second half of the campaign, we were absolutely awful. We were shipping goals. I don't think we kept yeah. a clean sheet. It was ter- it was terrible. <laughs> that was the end. That was when Martinez was really losing his marbles, wasn't it? When yeah, and for all and for all the um, praise Stones was getting at the time, oh, he's this majestic goal carrying. I thought I thought he was atrocious that season. Yeah, he was. They, they were an atrocious pairing together, but neither one of them seemed to be getting any pelters. Everyone seemed to just blame Martinez for the reason the defence was crap. Whereas they were pointing things at the two centre halves, who were an absolute Paul and Bear together and had too many lunatic moments in them. Whereas Stones is doing Cruyff turns in the box. Tell, tell the fan, telling the fans mm-hmm. to calm down when he's like doing a Cruyff turn on his own goal line. On his own goal line. Yeah, this is a video about Funes Mori. We'll talk with Stones another day. But Funes Mori, he went. He's, where did he go? He went to Villarreal, didn't he? After we got yeah, rid of yeah. him. Yeah. Um, I think was it Allardyce who sold him. It was Marco Silva sold him. Yeah, yeah. I remember he got injured, didn't he, in Cumin in Cumin's um, first season, yeah. and he was basically he was gone the majority of that second season, the the, the 2017-18 mess of a season. He, he came back towards the end, didn't he? And I think Allardyce gave him a little look and decided he, he wasn't for him. And then obviously he's gone in the summer, hasn't he? When Silva's gone in, but the point is he's gone to Villarreal, and I haven't kept up with him to be honest. I've, has anyone kept an eye on him at Villarreal? Has he done anything over there? Or Not that I know of. I, don't, I haven't seen him pull up any shoes or anything, if that's what you mean. I can tell you. I'll tell you one thing, though. His, leg, his lasting legacy for me at Everton will be the greatest tweet in all of football Twitter. Was him when we were signing him, John Meadow. Uh, everyone was, you know, kicking off over Tim Vickery, slating him when they're this new player Everton we're going to sign. And John Meadow tweets... Tim Vickery is a John. Sorry, Tim Vickery is John Vickery. John Vickery. Tim Vickery. Go on, Paul. Go ahead. John. Yeah, it makes me laugh so much. Tim Vickery is a failed school teacher who went to Brazil for more sex opportunities. He is not the oracle when it comes to um, South American footballers. That is fantastic. He's not even relevant to the conversation of him as a player. I just always remember that tweet. It's just a school teacher who moved to Brazil for greater sex opportunities. He is not the oracle on South American footballers. A lot of people were like, oh, well, Tim Vickery, has been vindicated. He told us he was going to be not good enough and look how right he was. This, the, the excuse, the reasoning he made for why Funes Mori wouldn't cut it at Everton. It's not why he didn't cut it. He said he'd be too weak. Uh, he didn't have the pace. Uh, yeah, he, he, he's not good on the ball. That was not Funes Mori's problem. His problem was he just couldn't head. concentrate. Yeah, it was all in his head. Funes Mori would be great, I think, in somewhere like the, the Championship. He'd be levels above that because it is literally or somewhere like Italy where all you've got to do is just sit in your own box to just head the ball clear. He'd be great in a league like that. Yeah, it's just it's, it wasn't. It wasn't as bad thing, was it? No, it wasn't. It wasn't his physicality. It was his brain, wasn't it? Let's be honest. 
yeah, so the point is, Tim Vickery was, and the people who were slagging through his Mori before he's even played for us were trying to be clever and so he could have the credit afterwards. So it's like, no, you haven't been vindicated. Funes Mori did well in that first six months. And ultimately, the reason he didn't work out was because he just we couldn't rely on him in big moments, not because he, he can't carry the ball or because he's a wimp. Definitely. I think, I think it's worth remembering anyone who tries to injure a player in the derby and then gets a red card and then like kisses the badge after it. I think they've got to be missing a couple of brain cells, haven't they? Yeah. I was finished with him after that. I, I, to, to be honest, if anyone thinks that that was good, or I've seen people use that as like Twitter profile pictures and things like that, that that sums up why we don't win derbies and why we don't go anywhere in cup competitions. Because when football, when Everton players and Everton supporters think it's great when you kick people instead of actually trying hard to win the game. I don't know what you're watching the sport for. Go watch rugby if you want to watch a bunch of people bashing each other about. Funes Mori after that, I was. As you said, um, James, he, it wasn't just the fact that he got himself, himself sent off in a derby because the, the game had gone. He, he, he was unavailable for the most important game of the season and it probably lost us the game because we yeah, were absolutely I, I, I think it did. Yeah. I think if Funes Mori plays in that game, there's a very, very strong chance we, we'd have beaten United because I was at Wembley that day. United were absolutely terrible. We're terrible. We were there for the taking. The only reason we didn't win it's because we were just missing too many um, crucial players. And because Lukaku wants to miss of our 10 sixes as well. Let's not forget that. But Funes Mori, all this, oh, he has barbecues, he does all these knee slides, he, he kisses the badge after he kicks Liverpool players. No, bore off with that at the end of the day. He was an absolute idiot of a player. I don't doubt the fact that he, he went on the pitch and tried hard, but he wasn't cut out for a, a team as big as Everton because at a team as big as Everton, you can't behave like that and expect everyone to love you. And if they do love you, then there's something up. I mean, to be fair, he played for arguably one of the biggest teams in South America before he came to Everton. So, you know, he has played for very yeah, big clubs. In Argentina, they're not, they're not happy unless... You are kicking players. Yeah, they, their supporters go to football games and knife each other. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it was just a cultural thing at the end of the day. And, and he's still loved by Argentina in the back in Argentina to this day. And he probably could go back to River Plate anytime he feels like and get a hero's welcome, which is probably what he's going to end up doing. But yeah. Funes Mori, I, I, don't, I don't hate him. There's a lot of players I've, I've got no time for who've come through the club the last couple of years. And he's one of them, to be honest. I've just, it's like, whatever. You came, well, you had to go. You didn't invest. Go away. <laughs> there you go. That's probably a good way for us to finish then, isn't it? Uh, yeah, so they did that. The Funes Mori throwback. Let's just say that was a, a bit of a mixed review there, wasn't it? He's one of those players, isn't he? Like he, he's, he's, he was. He had a very mixed Everton career. There was a lot of. I know a lot of people who, who rated him and thought that he deserved longer, but it's one of them, isn't it? It's just one of them. I think literally every Everton debate I ever had ends with it's just one of them, isn't it? <laughs> But there you have it, guys. That's the end of the Funes Mori throwback, if you like. Let us know your memories of Funes Mori and what you made of his contribution to Everton during his three-year spell that he had here. Yeah. We're going to be deciding whether or not Everton should sign Thiago Silva on a free transfer this summer. Obviously, we want a new centre-back this summer, and many names have been linked a few which we've already discussed on this show up to this point. But Thiago Silva is certainly an interesting one in the respect that he's a 
let's say he's 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 the wrong side of thirty, but that's an understatement. It's the turn of Thiago Silva to stand before the jury now, and by the jury I mean Paul and Teddy who join me for this debate. We'll start with you on this one, Paul. Two summers ago, we brought in Marcel Brands, who was obviously very keen on bringing in the younger players and replenishing an aging squad. Granted, he has brought the average age down considerably since he's come in. But are you surprised that we're going after someone who's going to be 36 in September? Well, just what you said a minute ago, he's, he's the wrong side of 30. He's actually closer to 40 in his 30s. He's closer to 40 than 30, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a very high-profile um, name, isn't he? He's a type of signing where people will kind of sit up and take notice if he comes to Everton. But are they going to sit up and take notice going, wow, I can't believe they've signed him? He's great. Or are they going to sit up and go, what are they doing signing that old man? Um, it makes me uneasy, to be honest, because we've, we've done this a lot over the last few years. We've signed these sorts of over-the-hill big names, hoping that they'll come in and give some experience uh, um, and um, teach the younger players something. And it just never works. We don't, we've seen work. it with... Yeah, we've seen it with Etu. We had Rooney. We've got Delph now, who's probably the worst one of the lot. Delph's a disaster. Um, yeah, Ashley Williams as well. It, it, it sounds good on paper. And it feels like every, we've, we've done it with Gareth Barry, and I feel like ever since we've been trying to replicate that. Yeah, yeah that, he's probably the only example um, of us doing this that actually turned out well. And even then he came in. He, that, the, the only reason he was successful is because people didn't expect anything of him. The expectations were so low when he came in. But... Thiago Silva, he's, he's been at Paris Saint-Germain, what, for about five, six years? Eight years, 2012. Eight years. Eight years. The French League's not great. We know it, we know it isn't. So, how long has it been since Thiago Silva was in like a really hard, tough league where you've got to be on it every single game where well, you're going to get found out? The, the best league he's played in is Serie A with AC Milan and he did win a league title. But yeah, how long ago was that? Ten, 2011. Ten years ago? 2011. Yeah. Yeah, we, we we were winning. We won a derby that season. That's how long ago it was. Bloody hell! I mean, obviously Angelotti must like him. Um, he's got a relationship with Angelotti, but Angelotti's never struck me as the type of manager who, you know, gives jobs to his mates. Do you know what I mean? No. Yeah, a lot of managers do. They bring in allies, basically. They bring in players who snitch for them. Let's be, be blunt. That's the reason Alcaraz got a job under Martinez. That's the reason. Stecklenberg got a job under um, Cooden. Cooden, isn't it? And that's the reason um, Sammy Lee got a, got a coaching job under Allardyce. They just want mates. They want allies around them. And Angelotti's never really struck me as that type, has he? I mean, he's got, he's got his son there, but his son's only a very recent addition, isn't he? So, to his backroom staff. So, if Angelotti is dead set on having them, then Angelotti's got enough credit in the bank that I'd be willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. But, We've seen this so many times. Um, I, I just don't see it working. I really don't. He's too, I, he's too old. I can't. Got a lot I mean, of that's the, the big question. That's actually what I was going to ask next. Is It's come out today that he reportedly wants 180 grand a week. And that is just <sighs> not financially viable. Yeah. We're up to our eyes in FFP anyway. If, if reports of we believe. Plus, yeah, plus coronavirus is like, you know, affected everybody to an extent as well. You know, how can we possibly be considering paying anybody that kind of money? Not not to mention somebody 
who's 35 going on 36 and hasn't played in a really fast hard league for a long time as well um, probably on his this is going to be his last contract isn't it so who knows what his ambition is the I mean, question is does he even have any at this stage he's yeah, does, does he have any or is he, is he come, would he come just to be what I said just to be Angelotti's eyes and ears in the changing room so I I, I don't think it will happen. I'd be very shocked if it, if it did. Because I think I'd like to think Brandon and the club will have learned their lesson. I mean, they've got to be fuming at Delft, haven't they? Because Delft was one of those like, one of those signings that people talk themselves into thinking it might be good. And it's been a disaster. So if we do this, then I just think the club, brands especially, who's in, who's in charge of these transfers, is not learning anything. So we'll have to wait and see. It, it is, I don't want, to, don't want to see it. It is concerning, Terry, I think. You as well. Do you think this? Do you think we should be wasting this kind of money on veterans? It's it, it hasn't worked out before. So why would it work out this time? And also, is Thiago Silva really that what we need? I don't I don't know if it's what we need at centre back either. We've got enough slow defenders as it is. It's very Bolton in two thousand and four, isn't it? It's like very it's, very it, Bolton in two thousand and four. It, yeah, like player with a massive name who's who's pretty much finished his top level career, so we'll get him in because they're going for free and we can pay decent wages. I mean, if if it is true, and that's a big if, I don't think that it's actually that out of the Marcel Brand's wheelhouse as people think. Like he's done it at PSG, PSG, PSV, excuse me, um, bringing in all you know, a couple of experienced players um, to sort of supplement the young squad on the whole that he builds. He's done it already once here with Fabian Delph. Now, we that all hate work. Fabian Delph. Well, you say that, but it might it might be behind closed doors. We don't know what it's like in the dressing room. For all we know, the young players all love Delph. Now, we don't like him because of the things he's you know, said and done while he's been here, but that's not to say that we know what goes on in the dressing room. So, the ones that have come before Brands, I don't think we can really judge him on them because, you know, yeah, we did bring in Rooney Eto. You know, go further back. You've got Ginola and Gascoigne and all that. And yeah, I I'm, I would like the club to get away from doing these type of deals. I am not for them at all because we haven't got a history of of them working apart from really Gareth Barry. And you could sort of argue Rooney did, even though I don't think so. Other people would. But for me, the overriding thing of this, the the elephant in the room, is COVID nineteen. If we have, if this is true, and we've moved on to Thiago Silva as the centre back target from Gabriel, it shows they weren't joking when it came to when they when they came out that we were looking at loans and free transfers rather than you know big signings. It shows that I, I, I get yeah. that, but what about the wages? Like you can't if, if we are trying to cut back a bit, we can't be paying wages like that to anybody, let alone a veteran. We won't give them that. There's no way. Like I, I think that's paper talk. Those wages. It, no one in world football will give him that, especially now, because how can you def- make players take wage deferrals and then give a new player who's 35, 36 a contract which makes him the top earner? They'd all go berserk. I don't think there's even a one percent truth in the suggestion that we'd offer them. Um, those levels of wages. I think if he comes in, he'd be well. He, he would have to come in within our wage structure, and I don't think anyone else would would top that. Would beat it because 
you know, no one else has got money either. So I, I think that's that's a non-starter, those big wages. I think he'd be under 100. What it, what it is after that, I don't know. Do they um, get him? No. I don't, I don't think so either. I, I, I think it's... I don't think it's it's a good move. And I think the people in charge of our transfers are too intelligent and too experienced to make the move. From what's happened already, Everton, I think. Yeah, because how many how many players come to the Premier League and struggle with the pace and the physicality, and, and most your, of them are, players. Most of them are thirty five. You know what I mean, thirty six. So I don't think it's it's true. I don't think it's. I think we may have sounded them out um, because we're exploring options, but I don't, wouldn't imagine it's gone any further than that. Um, if we had say we were three years down the line or we'd done our business really well up until this point. If we had a really young, really well set up, really, you know, established squad and we just needed one player maybe to complement that or, you know, we were lacking a little bit of leadership and that was the only issue, then, yeah, I could see it. Maybe, okay, we'll bring Thiago Silver in, but you've already got Gabriel, you've already got Holgate and you've got to say, say we had Tadebo as well and we had lots of young players everywhere. Then I could see them like putting in like a Thiago Silva to sort of like, you know, go in that mix, but we're not at that stage of a, of a, of our build at the minute. We're, we're well earlier in the process than adding, you know, 35 year old veterans. I, I don't think it's going to happen. If we do get them, I understand why. I think it'll be down to financial reasons. I think it won't be a lack of ambition or a lack of, you know, um, creator. It'll be, it'll be more. It'll be more being creative financially than it will be um, because you know he's, he was the proper target. We all know Gabriel was the proper target. I hope it's not true. Fantastic player, but I just don't see it being a good move for the club just from past experience of similar deals, regardless of how good the players were. But if it does happen, I do. I definitely think um, I do understand why. I definitely wouldn't even try and understand. I don't think it's a good move, to be honest. I don't think we should be going in for players who have passed the prime and have also won a lot, so don't really have a lot of hunger as well. I think it's just... I understand the financial side of things, but surely we and, can... Go ahead, and, unproven, and unproven in this type of league as well. Very true, yeah, as well. There's no premiership experience there. I'd, I'd actually rather get a player who's not as good but has more potential to grow than splash our wages on someone who's easily had their best years well behind them. A vanity signing. That's what he van- did. It's a vanity signing, yeah, it is. It's, I think it's exactly what we said before. It's a Rooney, it's an Eto, it's a Gaza, Ginola, whatever you want to, any of those names. It's another one of those if we end up doing this and it's symbolic of the eras that those players were signed in as well, eras where we underachieved. I don't think it's a good move at all. No. So, there you have it. I think we've all kind of agreed that we shouldn't sign Thiago Silva there. I think that seems pretty unanimous. For you podcast listeners, now it's time for the middle bit where we give ourselves a much-needed break from talking about Everton and discuss something a bit off-topic. But instead, the Everton squad are going to take centre stage for the middle bit this week. 
on a day where the Premier League has suggested that there could be walk-on music for substitutes. I mean, whatever you make of that, I'll let you guys decide at home. But during this fanless phase, they've considered this idea of walk-on music for substitutes. And with that in mind, we're going to discuss the best wrestling walkout music for members of the Everton first team. We'll try and work our way through most of the first team squad and look at the best tunes, most suitable tunes for each of our lads to walk out to. So we'll start with our number one, Jordan Pickford, shall we? Uh, a devout fan of rave music, as we know. Shouldn't be too hard to find something for him, surely. Terry, I'll ask you first, seeing as you suggested this little discussion to me. So what about you? We'll go with you first. Terry, what will you go with for Jordan Pickford? Um, trying to think of a good I hadn't thought of one for Pickford I've got a couple like lined up but I think for Pickford you'd have to pick something like Shattered Dreams for Gold Dust <laughs> just because <laughs> I don't, don't know why just look at him and he just he just says Gold Dust to me like yeah I've, I've honestly I've got other ones for better players but Pickford nothing springs out I don't think he's a Playing well enough to merit a good a good opening music. So just the uh, the joke of the uh, roster, I think, would be Pickford. What a suggestion for Pickford. Um, I've actually um, the last couple of weeks I've I've had a bit of a um, classic WWE WF on me. Um, I've got the network, so I've been watching a little bit of it. Oh, Pickford. Right. I, I, do you remember Crash Holly, the hardcore champion? Oh, right. yeah. yeah uh, calling him Elroy Jackson because he was this little little swear. Who thinks he's something great, and he just and he just gets beaten by all the big guys. Type thing. <laughs> little, yeah. little, little Jack Russell, fiery guy, but out, out of his depth when he takes on the big the big boys. That's well better. Crash Crash Holly's music when he come out with the hardcore title, and he just <laughs> run around causing trouble. Yeah, I mean, I've had one in mind as well because oddly enough, I was working out and I had this song on while I was doing my work on before, and I can just picture like. It's 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 a very bouncy song and a very like and um it's a, it's a bit of a rave song. I can just imagine Jordan Pickford loving this song, and I'm gonna go with the Prodigy and Firestarter. <laughs> I don't know why I can just envisage Jordan Pickford loves that song. Yeah, it's proper uh, old school, isn't it? And I can imagine. Yeah, old nineties. Not a wrestling song, that though, is it? Like it's not a wrestling theme song. I didn't know it had to be a wrestling theme song. I just thought it was walkout music. Well, it's it's not. But we we you suggested having wrestling songs, and let's be honest, that's if, if no one has a wrestling song, then this is it. Got to. I don't even know what the wrestling songs are. I'm not a wrestling fan. I just thought it was walkout music, like the other the Crucible for the snooker. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> I, I suppose that's good as well. But I think the wrestling music. Um, if I mean, there's nothing down for you if you're picking wrestling from today because it's awful. But the nineties wrestling when it was off its head, it's got to be. I'm, like, not, I, I'm not as clued up as you think on nineties uh, wrestling. Oh, you should be. It was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. You could go for like um, you could go for classic Everton players like Tim Howard or Landon Donovan, and they come out to Real American by Hulk Hogan. Oh my god! Um, what else does? Andre Gomez or Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He could be a uh, Val Venus. Hello, ladies. Oh, my God. <laughs> I put one on Twitter earlier on of uh, Umani Ash coming onto Stone Cold Steve Austin's music. 
Oh yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Honestly, that pe- the people will, uh, you know, the, the place will erupt with all the even with the empty stands. The place will erupt when the glass shatters and Umani Ash comes off the bench to <laughs> score a winner. Oh my god! Imagine if Nias scored a winner in the derby. <sighs> Don't. So it's such a stupid fantasy. It's not even worth thinking about that, is it? Everyone's, <laughs> everyone's got these ends of the world checklists for 2020. You know, you've had like you know the bushfires, you know the pandemic, and all that. I think Nias scoring a derby winner is the most far fetched of all those things. Honestly. Go ahead, then we'll, we'll move on through the rest of the team. What about Mason Allgate? Me? Um, yeah, go ahead, Paul. Don't know. Um, D'Lo Brown? You're looking at the real deal. <laughs> From yeah. the bounce yeah. You're looking at the real deal now. And then it was like this crazy, like, sort of beatbox tune. And he'd come in, like, his shoulders bouncing, like, all chest puffed out type thing. What about you, Sadie? Who's have Shawn Michaels' music? Sexy boy. <laughs> I've already used Andre Gomez for Val Venus and, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Luca Dean. He's a, he's a pretty boy, isn't he? Yeah, I suppose. I don't think I can go down the squad list like that. Some of them don't lend themselves, but some of them just definitely do. Who else? Go ahead then, throw us, throw us a few through throw a few there our way and see. You see, you obviously had an idea when you were thinking of this concept, so go ahead. Yeah, well I've I've threw a few already. Have you got any more, Paul? Any uh, any strings to the with the uh, the rocks music? Because you can picture him going like that, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> well this um, this this segment isn't filmed, so that what Paul just did then was smells what the rock was cooking now the rock used to. Yeah, when the rock would wear the sunglasses and kind of turn his head to the side and like whiff like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, what Bobby else? Probably in Delford's have John Cena's music because everyone used to groan when that came on as well. No one liked to hear it from everyone hated him in the end. I think that's what he'd have. It's just like, yeah, it is. It's Fabian's elf. You're meant to like him, but nobody does. Um, who else have we got? Um, Tom Davis has been. Oh God! Oh, Gilbert, John Cena music, mate. Because there's a lot of people who just love him and think he can't do anything wrong. And there's a lot of people who love him and can't do anything right. Half the audience love him and half the audience hate him. Yeah, he'd have, he'd have Bret Hart music as well. Bret Hart music. Yeah, I can't. What was that? That was like a guitar theme, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of who else. Um, who haven't we done? What would Jerry Meaners be? Mark Henry's? <laughs> um, not saying why, you're out large, not to just figure that out yourselves. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I don't think that was the best job to make in the current climate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I came from you, to be honest. Um, Jerry Moise Keane can have um, the Godfathers. Yeah, because he got done, didn't he, with all the strippers? <laughs> um, Dave, we'll um, explain this to you off camera, mate. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I had someone in my head then, and it's, it's, it's left me. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Theo Walcott. Theo Walcott would come in to 
quite um I think sort of smooth. Smooth and jazzy. I think so. I could always imagine him as like um as like the corporation music, a little snitch. <laughs> no, Walcott's one of them. I think he's too nice for his own goals, Walcott. No, I don't think he's snidey. I, I, I think he's the opposite. I think he's, he's too honest. Sh- shame. Farad Mashiri is of Shane McMahon's when here comes the money. Here comes the money. <laughs> I think we've done it. I can't think of any more. I don't know about you. I think that's. I think I've exhausted this idea. Exactly. We got our wires crossed a bit when we first started this discussion. I thought it was going to be a completely like sort of like kind of like snooker walkouts where it's just like you have an actual normal pop song. I didn't know we actually have songs by wrestlers. <laughs> oh, Ken Wright's big. That's a good one. He probably wanted to be Ric Flair's, wouldn't he? But it's not going to be that. Not on my watch. <laughs> yeah. Compared to that, coming out to be um, the music with his robe on, thinking he everyone thinking everyone's in love with him. It's like, mate, just get off. You're embarrassing. <laughs> well, he went missing for a while, didn't he? And then when you know came back with a came back out of nowhere, so he'd have Eric Bischoff's music. The I'm back. <laughs> anyway, I'm wrapping this up. Yeah, well, this was yeah, a bit of a random, random ass discussion. This wasn't it. Um, well, that's the middle bit for you, isn't it? It's certainly one of the more <laughs> interesting ones we've done for a while. So I don't think anyone's going to argue with it. No. So yeah, we'll, we'll we'll wrap it up there and we'll move on to our next segment. We're going to do a match preview for the Merseyside derby. Welcome to the long-awaited return of the match preview segment. In case you haven't noticed after three months off, the Premier League is back and Everton are back on Sunday night with the small matter of a Merseyside derby against our old friends from across the park. To preview with me, I've got Tom and Max. We're going to do our best to not get depressed over the prospect of our most dreaded fixture of the English calendar. <laughs> so, yeah, how are you doing, lads? Doing very well, mate. How about you? Yeah, pretty solid, with the exception of the obvious trepidation of playing that lot. Oh, as you rightly said, at least circumstances aren't as first feared. At least Manchester City got the business done last night with with quite some. Absolutely. Now, in case you were living under a rock last night on Everton Twitter, now thankfully you might have heard that Man City got a 3-0 win over Arsenal which means that that lot can't win the title by beating us at Goodison, which I'm sure we're all breathing a massive sigh of relief over. It'll probably make the incoming inevitable heartache a little less painful. But nonetheless, what can we expect going into this game? Obviously, neither side's played for three months. Is it a bit more of an unknown quantity because of that thing? What about you, Tom? Uh, Yeah, I suppose so. I was saying this yesterday uh, with Max about... Uh, the way Liverpool have had a friendly against another team, Everton have gone into this on the back of an interest squad friendly, which which we've seen highlights of on uh, on YouTube, of course. But we've not had a friendly with another club, and I reckon that puts us at a disadvantage. After watching Arsenal City last night, I thought Arsenal at the start looked a little bit sharper because they'd had a friendly. I know they got outplayed in the end because David Luiz absolutely messed it up for them, but. I think it does give you a bit of an edge if you've had uh, a friendly against another club. You'd have to step ahead. Yeah, it's a better pre-season, I, I suppose, at least. But no, uh, 
I put, I'd say we're at a bit of a disadvantage in that way to Liverpool, and that makes me even more nervous, to be honest. But, yeah, I'm not feeling good for this one. I'm absolutely terrified that uh, the, 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 the lack of crowd is going to make it into a training game, and they are just going to hit goal after goal against us, and we'll just be helpless, to be honest. But that's a negative, pessimistic approach, I suppose. I hope, hope, you, hope you lads are more positive than I am. Uh, do, you want, do you want the God's honest truth? Uh, I'm even more pessimistic than you, because um, I've, I've been saying this regularly on some of the shows I've been doing lately, and it's just my concern about this Everton squad is that I don't think our players are professionally motivated. I feel like we need the fans to help us kick on and maybe go up a gear. Can you tell me whether you think Morgan Schneiderlin or Gilfie Sigurdsson is motivating themselves to kick on to the next level because the performances suggest otherwise, and that was with the fans. So, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a little bit nervous because I'm, I'm not sure how committed to playing for Everton these players are. Some of them without having the fans maybe kicking them on to like, or getting on the backs even and making them work a bit harder. It's just, I just, I'm not too sure whether they've, got it in them to motivate themselves and it'll be interesting to see what happens. Max, are you a bit more optimistic? I mean, you've set me up for fail there, mate, but I just thought that that's a, that's a, I think it's a, a roundly shared perspective that you've got there and I think it's been a, a point of contention for several years now, I'd say going on four or five years. Um, do Does this group of players on an individual subjective basis, understand what it means to play for Everton Football Club. Like, for example, I was speaking to Kevin Ratcliffe a few weeks back and he said, you know, now it very much seems like players coming into the football club are joining Everton in the Premier League and that's their motivation. I, I agree with that 100%. To play at the, you know, the, the most commercially lucrative and exposed to a media extent league in the world. Now, I was going to say, I do think um, for the viewers at home and those that are also watching this video, that you've, you've quite possibly come to the, the worst possible three to get a match preview from, given the fact that we're all relatively young and we've endured some, you know, some depressions over the years. Depression, yeah, Derby experience. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. But, you know, we know the script for this. We, we know the script. We haven't won a derby in 10 years. Um, I remember it well. I was there, Tim Cahill and, and Mikel Arteta getting on the score sheet. And I think this is something like the 236th Merseyside derby. Um, we've only got 66 wins out of that. Now, well, yeah, I'll, yes. that means it's 36 games since the, the 200th was the one where Carsley scored the winner. So they are 36 derbies, and since then we've only won four of them, I think. I know it doesn't make for very pleasant reading, but if you're looking to, for some sort of a constructive constructive analysis of this, you know, you've got to look at the unique opportunity that it is. Um, like we say, of all games to be coming back to into the most obscure circumstances to be playing a Merseyside derby really is quite quite interesting, especially from a from a neutral perspective. I'd say, I mean, yes, we often go into these games void of much confidence. But I would like to think, especially with the likes of that pressure being off with Manchester City getting a result last night, we can go into this game and look to express ourselves. As I said, like we know the script. We're coming under this very underhanded. We've got several injuries. Like Walcott's out. Mina is a doubt. 
dealt with the doubts that Jubaman, as usual, is is out. Andre Gomez, I know, is is in training now. As I watched the uh, the most recent um, training video that the club put up on YouTube, and, and Gomez looks in the full swing of thing there. But you know, in a in a Goodison Park without the, without the fans there, as you say, it, it may very much play to our disadvantage. But I would urge the fans to you know observe these these um these guidelines that are put in place to stay at home and to watch the game. You know, me and Tom were having the, the debate yesterday over this sort of perspective um, or perception, I should say, of scouts uh, in relation to football and, you know, the fact that um, there was reservations about throwing a, a parade for Liverpool if they do win the title and whether or not the, the derby would actually be hosted at Goodison. Uh, and right, as Tom rightly said yesterday in the podcast that we did, that this isn't the 80s anymore, the the age of football hooliganism is well past, and this does provide a very unique viewing experience. I know the the club, as usual, are firing all, on, on all cylinders with their social medias, and I believe there's something like a, a YouTube match day program that's coming out, which is going to be really quite interesting. But you know, do I want to win? Yes. Can I see a win? That's a, that's an entirely different question. Yeah, I think we all know what the answer is as well. Tom, what what about you, mate? Would you say it's... I think it's a bit of a blessing in disguise as well. I think the whole having it back at Goodison with, with no fans, you know, it, it's a hard place, Goodison, if things do go wrong, you know. The, could could we see maybe a more relaxed Everton and could that maybe be, make us a bit more composed against a side who like to harry you? What do you think, Tom? I was thinking that as well, the way uh, some players might benefit from it, the likes of Tom Davis, the players you do get, uh, get it down their ear, essentially, when uh, when they make a mistake. They won't have that anymore. Uh, I think the fan, some of our players, as you were saying before, um, the likes of uh, Schneider and Sigurdsson kind of do need it down their ear to wake them up sometimes and get them into the game. So some players will suffer uh, from the lack of fans. But uh, players like Tom Davis... May, might uh, benefit from the lack of crowd, be able to get some form together uh, rather than having it down the ear the whole time. And I suppose it is less pressure in a way, but Carlo Ancelotti had just been trying to make Goodison into a fortress and he, he's got a good home record since he's come in. And it's not the same. I was saying this yesterday, the way... It's, yeah, it's a home game, but it's not really, is it? Because you haven't got the 12th man. It's just... It's, it's a football pitch. And I know the seats are blue. What difference does that make? It doesn't make much of a difference. The only uh, the only one I could think of is geographically, but it's we're playing Liverpool. It's not much. Of, it's not like they have to travel very far. So, uh, yeah, it, it's not really home advantage. But I hope that some of the players like Tom Davis and some of the younger players, well, Anthony Gordon, maybe another crowd will get behind him. But some players will feel less pressure and be able to perform better. And uh, yeah, I suppose young players like Gordon will hopefully benefit from that. Yeah, I think what I said what I said before I was pretty much referring indirectly to Tom Davis, who is a, a lad who has been known to get a bit of stick. But I think this could be the best opportunity he could have wished for, Tom Davis, given the situation with the injuries and maybe the lack of fans on his back. I think this is probably the, the big moment that he needs if he's going to make that big step up and as a first-team regular. He's got to do it in these next nine games, I think. But uh, looking yeah. back particularly to the derby, what sort of uh, setup can we expect? Do you think we obviously we're a bit of a depleted side at the moment, aren't we? With 
missing a lot of first team players. But can can we expect to see any maybe young lads get a go? Obviously, it's down to circumstance more than anything else. But do you reckon we might see a few? Anthony Gordon, and as we say, and I think he's he's going to be a, hopefully getting a game. He showed some promise in the uh, in the video. Certainly, the video we saw of the uh, inter squad training match. He looked quite promising. Uh, so I think he'll get some minutes, especially with the five subs as well. You've got much more rotation, and I think it's going to benefit the bigger clubs because they've got see Arsenal City yesterday. Their benches were ridiculous, uh, and the smaller clubs don't have the same effect because they don't have the squad depth uh, in some cases. And I think, unfortunately, that I'd probably have to put us in that category at the moment. We don't have, we have squad depth, but not quality. Uh, so we will be bringing some of the younger lads on. The likes of possibly even players like Jared Branthwaite at the moment. We've got uh, a little bit of problems at centre-back with Yerry Mina still struggling. So I can see Jared Branthwaite getting a chance on the bench. Uh, so maybe you might make an appearance at some stage because you've got uh, Holgate and Michael Keane with those... Uh, those spots at the moment, but obviously they'll need back up with games every two or three days, so I can see him getting a chance. Apart from those two, uh, Benny Beningame has been there or thereabouts. Dennis Adeniran was involved in that match. Not sure how much we'll see of those, because we, we have got good numbers in centre midfield. It's not necessarily quality, but we've got numbers, and uh, no doubt we'll see pretty much all of the squad. If, we, if we're playing games every three days with five subs, I do think we're going to see the majority of the, the, the first team squad, and Maybe that'll include the likes of Kuko Martin and Umani Ash, you never know. Oh, but God. it is going to be a lot of rotation, so we will see some uh, some fringe players getting a chance. It's insane. I mean, it, to, to think that we might actually see Kuko Martina play for Everton again is, like, insane. It's a bit of thinking about, really. But let's just hope it's not in the dark, because I don't think we can stomach that. But, um, yeah, I think it's such an unknown situation, obviously, that we're going into with the the sort of setup, but with the way Liverpool played, do you think that maybe like the sort of they're, they're quite a high pressing team? Do you think maybe having that bit more composure on the ball could like help us out a bit? I would uh, 100% yes, uh, I'd agree. Um, but at the same time, I feel like it is worth raising the point that whilst big media outlets have been whisked up in this narrative of Liverpool potentially winning the league at Puddleston Park. Uh, now that's kind of been stripped bare and it remains the fact that you know out of the games that they've played this season most recently they've been on their their biggest downturn of form I think they've lost four of the last six games in all competitions um, and I had someone have, have a swing at me for that last night on Twitter because I brought that point up because someone, a... someone will definitely have responded with that haha time for Everton <laughs> meme or something <laughs> <laughs> but in a, on, a, on a technical basis, there's no shadow of a doubt, yes, Liverpool individually and collectively are a much better side. But as we've seen from the games that took place yesterday, there is a, there's, a, there's just a unique difference to them. It, uh, and I would go as far as to say they're even even more so different than, a pre, say, pre-season games. In that there was, you know, a high volume of injuries. Uh, the game seemed to be played. Yeah, at, Arsenal had like three injuries, didn't they? Yeah, and the game seemed to be played at a, at a much slower pace. Uh, players didn't seem to be covering as much ground. Now, Liverpool have become notorious, as you say, James, for that. High, high tempo. High tempo, you know, relentlessness and, and, and failure to let you breathe on the ball. Um, 
the optimist in me would like to think that given such a, a long layoff, 100 days, 101 days, or, you know, it'll be a few more than that now when it gets to Sunday, but you'd like to think when it comes down to it, it might be a, quite a bit of a shock to the system. Yes, I know they played Blackburn at Anfield and they won 6-0. Oh, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm hoping, I'm hoping that if we tactically are astute enough, uh, and like we seen with that game yesterday, I, I noticed in the, when I was watching Villa, that there'd be uh, water breaks, say, every 15, 20 minutes, and, and who better would you want to go back and listen to than Carlo Ancelotti? You know, a man who's very, very intelligent and has been in, in and around big games. Very, very assured manager. Exactly. So, you'd like to think, with that with that pressure of, of, a, of a crowd baying for blood off, that players can remain composed, level-headed, uh, and to take in information from Ancelotti and use it properly uh, and play their roles to a T on Sunday evening. Yeah, I think that I think the most important thing is, like you say, with those 20-minute breaks, every 20 minutes we get a chance to maybe regroup if things aren't going well and maybe change the system and sort of... It's not often... You, often in... A normal circumstance, you get a manager, wouldn't you, who would be shouting an instruction to one player, who'd be passing it on to the others, and it's not often you get a chance for the whole team to sort of regroup, almost like a timeout in like basketball or something. You don't really get that in football, so this might be a, a circumstance that could help, especially a side who might be on the defensive side of things. Let's say, I think it's safe to say, I think we'll be doing a lot of defending, so. But it might be like a boxer going back in between rounds to its corner after getting the shit beaten out of him for the last <laughs> round. Who knows? Uh, it remains to be seen. But <sighs> we'll see. We'll see. I'm not confident, but I haven't been any given any evidence to prove me otherwise, really. Well, I don't think we've ever, we haven't been given any evidence for 10 years, have we, really? I mean, but go, going into this game, it's... It seems like the whole world is against us, but with the whole injury situation, plus obviously, the, like I say, the golfing quality as well. But I think you mentioned it briefly earlier on, didn't you? Could the fact that the pressure of them not winning the league, Goodison, if they win, do you think that might give our players a little bit of a boost? Like maybe just a little, maybe not even a morale boost, just maybe a bit of a good omen, it just might... I, I think it'd certainly give them a relief in a sense, you know. Um, of, of course, it was that, that running narrative of them losing the league last season of Goodison. Uh, I'm sure if Manchester City did slip up last night that Liverpool would, you know, 100% be on the ball coming into this game, which may leave us a bit uh, trepid. But, as I say, I, I don't know if, if it viewed as a positive motivation as we've got nothing to play for ourselves and I don't think you should draw any sort of positive inference from the fact that our main rivals are doing so well but it might just be key that relief of okay if they do get three points yeah it you know that's not going to be them that's not going to be them immortalized for winning the league at Goodison yeah that, that's hopefully that's the- and I think for us as fans, that's what matters the most. Is that like, regardless of regardless of what happens on Sunday, we won't have to deal with that. And I think I'm one of them. I'll admit that they're the best team and that they they've earned the title. But I would never have 
lived it down. I, I wouldn't. I just did not want that to happen under any circumstances. And thankfully, it's we've learned that maybe we aren't completely despised by the football gods. <laughs> yeah, I think I just think it's going to be a. I think it's it's, it's going to be a chasing experience. It always is the Merseysides derby, but you never know. We could spring a surprise. We'll finish off then. We're gonna. Go with a let's say, let's have a little score prediction. Oh, Jesus Christ! Go ahead, Max. What what do you think? I don't know. I, I, I'll lend me optimist for this one. I'll say it'll be a, a two all draw. Tom, I don't think we'll score. I'm, I'm very ambitious <laughs> how we score. Um, <laughs> I said nil nil yesterday, so I, I stick with that. But I can, I can. That's not a prediction. That's a, that's a. More of a pipe dream ambition, I suppose. It's very ambitious prediction. If I was going to give a realistic one, it would be about. I was saying yesterday about my dream. Yeah, the nightmare that it was going to be a training game for Liverpool, and they were just going to score, jog back to the centre circle, score again, jog back to the centre circle. It will be about eight ten nil, but uh, that's not my prediction. I'll I'll say nil nil. Hopefully, but uh, that's fake trust. I think I'll I'll try and be optimistic as well, and I'll. Go firmly down the middle between you there, and I'll go with one all. Huh. I think it's one of them. I mean, normally I'd be optimistic that we can get at least a draw at Goodison, but without the fans, it's just a bit of an unknown quantity. And I think we noticed yesterday with the City game, and I think the sides who were better on paper seem to do better in these behind closed doors fixtures just because the fans aren't there to sort of balance project the balance if you know what I mean so it, it, mm. it is a bit daunting but nonetheless we've got no choice we've got to suck it up and it's coming up in you know, a couple of days time of get it out the way and then hopefully we can move forward and do match previews like this with a bit more optimism for the games that are left after that no, just get us out of 12th place mate that's, that's, that's feels, it, that feels horrible to that's say that d- depressing isn't it <laughs> top half anything top half just just as long as we're not in that graphic at the bottom of the table with the likes of bloody Norwich and all that. Just like just as long as we're in the top half of the table, that's fine. I'll push towards Europe if we if we can. I doubt there's a chance now, but top half, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think after the way we started the season, I think that'd be passable at this stage. But let's just get through the derby first and uh, hopefully come away as unscathed as humanly possible. But if you're listening to the podcast, of course, it's time for us to round off with the If You Know Your History quiz. Tonight, it's McAllister versus McAllister. It's Teddy v. Paul. Another match day squad quiz. For those who haven't tuned in before, it basically means I'm going to name an Everton fixture from the past and our two competitors are going to reel off the members of the squad. Be it a starter or a use sub. And the first to get one wrong surrenders the win to his opponent. But first things first, we're going to decide who goes first. I'll let you pick Paul, considering you haven't been on for a while. Flip a coin, heads or tails? Tails. Tails. It's tails, Paul. Do you want to go first or second, mate? Come on, I'll go first. Paul's going first. Right, now we've got, got all that sorted. I'll reveal the fiction in question. We'll cue the intense quiz music. How about that? Right, it's time to get depressed. I was at this game, and I can tell you it was one of the worst home games I've ever watched and somehow we didn't get beat. The fixture for tonight's challenge is Everton 1, West Bromwich Albion 1. 
Premier League, 20th of January 2018. Through the depths of the abyss that was the Sam Allardyce era, there was 11 starters and three used subs. You've got 14 to choose from. Go ahead, Paul. You're up first, mate. Oh, this game wasn't long ago and I don't remember it. I must have been. I must have been Yeah, it's, it must just be one of those games that put out my brain, like most of the Allardyce um, era. Um, I'm going to have to go I'm going to have to go easy and just say Pickford and goal Pickford was in goal Teddy what was the date of the game again 20th of January 2018 um, Wayne Rooney Wayne Rooney was a used substitute hmm um, Michael Keane at the back. Teddy's running. Michael Keane was an unused. I don't remember the game at all. Really don't. Michael we'll carry on naming it. We we'll carry on naming it, and Teddy, you should get this one to be honest. Um, Ashley Williams. Ashley Williams did play. Yeah, played the full game. Um, who else would have been, who else would have been there? If it was in January, then Sandro would have gone off on loan, wouldn't he? Um, there was no Sandro in the team, so you'd like to... Yeah, no Sandro. And, him. Yeah, I know Klassan didn't get a sniff. Um, would, would Sigurdsson have played? Yeah, Sigurdsson played. Sigurdsson was there. Full game. Cuco Martina. Cuco Martina played. Um, Bainsey on the left? Nope. Bainsey didn't no? play at all. I think he must have been injured because Kuko Martin is down as the left back. Jesus Christ. Back in the day. Lofty um, days, Martin at left back. Mason Holgate. Mason Holgate did play. Full game. Like I said, that's an out back to your guess. Me, um... Because you tried to take my turn, but I said Holgate, as you said it, so it's your turn again. You've already won anyway, so... Um, oh, you won? Oh, yeah, Teddy's won, hasn't he? Yeah. Teddy won. I said Michael Keane, and you said he didn't play. Um, John Joe Kenny had been on the right. Kenny was the right back. Holgate played centre-half with Williams. Idrissa Gay? Idrissa Gay was an unused sub. Strange. What? Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? What madness? But this is Allardyce we're talking about here. Like, his decisions always boggled everyone's minds. Would, would Davis have played then? Tom Davis Probably. wasn't even in the match day squad. Christ, who was in the middle then? <laughs> Morgan Schneidlin. Morgan Schneidlin played the full game. Um. Dominic Calvert-Lewin? No, no, no sign of Calvert-Lewin in this match day squad either. Umani S? Of course, Umani S played. This was that game, Teddy, that the, uh, you put that video up of this morning. That's why I said I thought I was, said you expect us to get this one. You only put a video up of it a couple of hours ago. 
Well, I, I know, I know. When the ass came on for then, it would have been Tosin, wouldn't it? Who just started? Was well, Cheng Tosin who started, and the ass replaced him and scored after a minute. Theo Walcott. Theo Walcott did play the full game. Who we, who we missing now? We've got. Got three more, two more starters, and one used sub. Uh, I'm just trying to think of the positions we haven't spoke about. Um, who would have played on the left? I know. I'm not, I'm not I know, sure. You know, I know who played on the left, but it's not my turn. Was it was it was it guilty? Because I know we were sticking um, Sigurdsson out there, weren't we? Um, it doesn't look like it. No. I, I don't know. Do you want to say it then, Teddy? Yannick Balassi. Yannick Balassi was the substitute. He came on at half time. He's the final use sub, but he wasn't the guy who started on the left wing. All right, because I was I um, in that clip I put up. I remember Balassi being on the pitch. Yeah, but well, the goal was after half time, and Balassi was on. But he he's the final used sub. You've got two more starters to get, and that's all that is left. Ooh, I think I've got one actually. Um, would it, would have been Vlasic. Vlasic was the fact the, mm-hmm. the one you were thinking of. But Vlasic replaced Vlasic at half time. Yeah. Okay. So we've had the back four. We've had the keeper. We've had left. We've had right. We've had Sigurdsson, Schneiderlin, Nias. Davies wasn't there. Rooney came on. Um, Ghana wasn't used. Who was in the middle then? Oh, I might have it actually. Was it Beningami? No, no Beningami in the squad. No. Was it Bezic? No Bezic. Thinking back though, what an absolute mess our squad was naming all these players. And I was a joke, wasn't it? I don't know. I, I don't know what's happened out. I don't know. He's given up. I think we're looking, we're looking for a midfield, aren't we? Um, you are, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is this player still at the club now? No, he isn't. No, he's not. Did we get rid of then? It's not Classman, is it? Classman didn't get no, a snip. Classman was. Well and truly frozen out by this point, I think. Yeah, Klassan was playing with the under-23s at this point, wasn't he? Um, uh, you, well, I'll tell you, this player, this game's quite infamous for this. Oh, this, James McCarthy. Yeah, he broke his leg in this game. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. Oh, I remember that. I remember it now. Yeah, it was Rondon, wasn't it, from the Gladys. Yeah, and Rooney came on in the 61st minute to replace him. Mm-hmm. That was right in front of me, the Gladys, so no wonder I've put this game out of my brain. Yeah. That, well, yeah. James McCarthy, that was his last start for the club, actually. Mm. It was pretty good in that. But yeah, like I said, yeah, it, was I know, very... it was right in front of me when um, Rondon kicked his leg and you just heard the snap, and it was like, oh. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I, I, was in, I was in the upper Gladys for that. And... Um, Obviously, I didn't see it properly because it was kind of through the goal, if you know what I mean, where it happened from me. Yeah. yeah. I just remember, like, everyone, like, I just remember the people, like, probably where you like, were in the glass. You seen everyone, yeah, like, oh, my God. Like, you just see like, what happened. Yeah. It was, like, everyone took a breath, like, <gasps> like that. It was just really, really horrible and grim. So, oh. yes, it's 
I'm, I'm not surprised at myself now for just putting that game out of my memory. Because so, it, it was a great game on top of everything, but McCarthy getting really gruesomely injured like that was just not nice at all. No, it was like I did say, it was a very, very depressing game, whatever way you looked at it. And Buffer Niasa's moments in the spotlight, I think it would have been one of the worst games I've ever re- recalled. Certainly games that have been the match because it was bloody atrocious. I remember it all too well. And I think like you, Paul, I'll do my very best to try and suppress it from now on. Mm. Yeah, so there you have it. That, that was the all the starters and used subs. The unused subs were Joel Robles, Idris Gay, Phil Jagielka and Michael Key. Right. So you win the quiz at well, I say again, this is how long's it been since you last won the quiz, Terry? Oh, since I was this high. It's been a while. Well, you know, you better get looking for the song. You mustn't be used to this, but you'll have to yeah. pick out the song. You're right, I'm, I'm not. I'm just having a little look now. I'm going to go with Give Me All Your Lovin' by ZZ Top. Oof. Interesting. Return, return to form for the... For the, the, uh, the rock fans in, in the house. Yeah. I'm like, I've strayed from me my usual the usual theme the last time I won and that you know, got a lot of hate mail over it and you know, people unfollowing me on Twitter and everything can get upset at me, so I've decided to return to form. Do what I'm good at, stick to it, don't try and change things up. No. I mean if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, I wonder how many times he's already had this song. Yeah, let's it's, it's, it's been that long since you won the quiz. Everyone will forgot that anyway. I know. I mean, I have done that before. Eh? I, I, was that a joke? But I've literally had this song before because I, I have I, done I, that. I don't know. Maybe when no, Jay was... I think when Jay was... Yeah, I mean, it, I have got form for that. But I don't think I've had this before. I have had ZZ Top before, but I don't think I've had this particular song. It's just, it's just a great song. And um, why that song? I mean... We're going to need all the loving with this week, aren't we? Let's be honest, the nerves are going to be shot um, in the Man City game and then they're going to be um, even worse in the derby. We're going to need all the loving. I'm, I'm, I don't want to break this to you, but I'm, I'm sure in the music video after driving a big red car. Oh, well. It's fine. It's not, <sighs> about Liverpool. not everything's about Liverpool, regardless of what they say. Yeah, um... To be fair, this is like the only place you can come to get, you know, anything that doesn't involve Liverpool, to be honest, because you know what usually is on the mainstream channels. So this is why you need to keep tuning in, guys. Definitely make sure you keep tuning in. And thank you again to Teddy and Paul for joining me again. No worries. And we'll finish off on Teddy's request with Guinea or your love by ZZ Soft. We'll see you later.